0: It, and therein lies the problem of their own So they say things like, they on
1: But they're wrong, Charlies. They're wrong, and hence this song
2: Here to take you on a post-apocalyptic, desaturated, really fucking depressing journey through the film history of Charlize Theron. And this week we are looking at 2009's *The Road*. I am Robin Hitchcock. With me, as always, are Regina Connolly, hello, Bob Shields, hello, and we are joined this week by a very special guest. You know him as the other half of we. When I use the third person, my husband, Colin Diedrich.
3: Hello, number one fan here.
2: <laughs> Colin does listen to the fired. show. He listens to the show every week because he's a very sweet, supportive partner.
3: And because I like it.
2: Anyway, so from the <laughs> beginning, I wanted Colin to be on the show and I asked him, you know, what What episode do you want to do? And why did you pick the road?
3: Well, if we're being honest with each other, I said, I want to be on a show where Charlize is a scientist.
2: That's true. And
3: there aren't any.
2: There are so. She must be a scientist in Prometheus, right? She's not. She's a
3: middle manager. Oh, you're right. Never mind. And so then I like this movie. And yeah, I I don't know. And I
2: thought it would be funny. (laughs) For those of you who don't know Colin, he's a very bubbly. Yeah. What's Colin's personality? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, You guys are being (laughs) recorded now. So he's
2: a happy person. He's a very happy person. People who aren't married to him and haven't been on road trips with him don't know his dark side. That's
3: true. So four hours into a road trip, I started asking very dark questions like, when is the next um, epidemic going to happen? <laughs> or what would happen if we lost all power? Or what happens when the infrastructure fails? And that always happens at about four hours and in a road trip. And I
2: really...
1: Hate it, but yeah. <laughs> it's great for this movie, which you must is love about this movie. a road trip of
2: sorts. Well, let's go straight <laughs> trip to trip on the road. Yeah, let's go to our one sound review, so we can talk about how I felt about this movie. Regina, oh. why don't you start? No. <sighs> oh. Mine was very nearly the word no Because that's how I feel about this movie No This is a
1: movie that as we were watching it I was like I would a thousand percent Never have seen this movie If Charlize Theron were not in it But I will say I actually think it's a very good movie I just would never want to watch it
2: I don't know It is fine (laughs) It is not poorly made In some ways, there it is very well made. I think that Viggo Mortensen's acting is terrific, but why does this exist? What good does this do anyone in any way?
1: I think it has um. I think it has a moral story to it, particularly at the end. I also, it was very strange for me to, to watch this now because I just finished the science fiction trilogy by N.K. Jemisin called the Broken Earth Trilogy and it is also post-apocalyptic and it is about uh, like an environmental catastrophe after catastrophe, but it's from a woman's perspective and it's very important that she is a mother and there is a daughter in it. So I felt oh, like this movie was super interesting, so different in terms of its perspective. There's like a long stretch in the book that is like basically like Journeying through an earth that is dying And I was like wow I'm getting a lot of this lately I feel like one of the the Difficulties about this movie um, For me is it assumes That the only reason that people band together In desperate times is to do evil things Because it's either people Traveling alone in a post apocalyptic world Like entirely alone or they're a band of people who murder and cannibalize other people. But there are no examples of a group of people working together to attempt to survive this in any type Walking of community. Style. I've never seen that.
2: Neither have I, but that's my understanding of what they've
1: got. <laughs> and I think, to cut right to the ending, I think the end of the movie is indicative that there is a way to form familial bonds with other people and work together and that it ends on a sort of hopeful up note. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the father wasn't able to do that Um, But that his son, like, it coming, like, the family that was following them and is, like, offering him comfort at the end is sort of, like, the possibility that that could happen. And that the people of the father's generation were not able to do anything positive or good because they were remembering what they have lost. Whereas the people who, like, the children who had grown up in this world could see things in a more positive light because
0: they weren't burdened with uh, loss and desire for things they didn't have. Mm. Yeah, I think the value of this is like most post apocalyptic stories are that have like a fantasy element to them where you're like oh you can take advantage of x like you can take advantage of oh there's an abandoned shopping mall so you can take all the stuff whereas this movie is like oh there's nothing to take advantage of here there's no fantasy element there's no way to to make this good so the only thing that is good in this movie is like the their human spirit like when they're talking about carrying the fire inside you which i think is a very uh, cliched metaphor But the whole thing Was like, like Oh every Nothing works Except being alive That, Like that's what the, the resolution Of this movie Is that Oh other people No matter how many Other people Are terrible And horrible cannibals There are still Some people Who have that Kind of positive Human spirit About them And you can eventually If you persevere Long enough You can eventually Find them I Well I'm felt- on
2: Team Charlie's By the way So Charlie's <laughs> Theron's character So we've got Vigo Mortensen Whose character Is not named and man. man, his son, boy And his dead wife in flashbacks Woman, Charlize Theron And the first scene is them waking up in the middle of the night And the unknown catastrophe is beginning mm-hmm. um, It seems to be like something sort of seismic mm-hmm. yes, There's I'm, earthquakes routinely It seems uh, like there's like an ash fall Something like that's that, right, that I'm, I'm, I'm assuming
0: it's like super volcano eruption or yeah. something like that.
2: Yeah, nothing is explained Which Colin kept saying Like, Regina's gonna love this It's
1: true, I, that is the thing that I enjoyed about it Because I don't need to know what happens Because the story is not about
2: the world It's about those two people I agree, yeah I want to know like, what the fuck happened <laughs> I,
1: but I just, yeah, I feel like the, I feel like the movie is very much about stripping away anything extraneous Yes, yeah.
2: right, so then we flash forward Charlize is pregnant, like early pregnant At the time of the beginning of the catastrophe And so The kid's what, seven? Ten, I believe is what the review said He's a small child So this has been going on for a while And they've got a shopping cart And they're trying to go south
1: When you say they, you mean the father and the son Right, because Charlize
2: Kills herself
0: at some point
1: So the the, the movie is told in split time So we see the father and son with their shopping cart And he's only remembering his time with Charlize And so we get, it moves forward in flashbacks But it's not concurrently It doesn't start with them in the past
2: Anyway, I'm on Team Charlize. Would,
3: I don't. You would kill yourself.
2: <laughs> yes. I also
1: said to Bob, I was like, look, like if there is an apocalyptic event, I am a nearly blind, arthritic woman. I'm not meant to last an apocalypse. Yeah. But I think that like, so they spend at least like seven to ten years together, like hold up in their home, the family before Charlize is like, I can't do this anymore, and then she walks off into the night. And the plot in the current timeline is them heading south and them encountering different elements of danger and survival until the end of the movie when Vigo Mortensen finally succumbs to starvation and illness and dies. And the boy runs into Guy Pierce and he's kind of like, hey, you can come with us uh, or you can stay on your own. And the boy's like, how do I know if you're a good person or a bad person? How do I know if I can trust you? And Guy Pierce is like, you just have to take a chance and then he decides to go with them and then uh presumably his wife and two children and dog are there and that's that's how the movie ends. So it's it's a long movie and there's a lot more bleak details but that's the
3: general arc of what's happening. The thing that I really liked about this movie is that it kind of, I feel like it shows both those, both the perspectives of one during an apocalypse um there are going to be people that want to survive at all costs and that is the most important thing. And then Charlize's point of view where like survival just isn't enough. It's not a life. It's not a life. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I don't know. I I thought that like. What's your favorite
2: scene, Colin, at the beginning?
3: Oh, (laughs) my favorite scene of this whole movie, which is the most fucked up part of, of this movie, is the man and the boy are on the road and they get to the first house and they walk into the, I guess it's a barn. And an entire family had um, committed suicide. And there's like really small shoes that you see, like, a, like feet and, and shoes. Where they only show like the, the feet hanging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the boy looks up and says something. He says, oh, why do they do this? Or something like that. And then uh, the dad says, you know why. Which I feel like that's like my favorite line in the whole movie because mm-hmm. it's, it's also the saddest line I think in in the whole movie because it just assumes so much that this kid has yeah. seen so much horror and him being ten years old or whatever and and like the dad is like I don't need to explain this to you you know that they killed themselves because this was the option that they that they wanted.
1: I feel like the movie de- deals a lot with like committing suicide in that type of environment being like a daily decision not to do it that it's not just a like charlie's didn't immediately decide to do it and i i feel like my charlie zenith and one of the things i really liked about the movie is the conversation that she has with him where she's like i'm doing this and uh, i want you all to do it with me like i can't believe you're making me do this alone and uh the man being like no 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 like please don't leave me like we have to stay together And the way I think in a lot of movies, it would have been a much more dramatic thing from her. Like there would have been more tears or more hugging or he's like, please spend one more night. And she's just very cold And she's just sort of like, I'm doing this. Like, the only reason I'm not taking my son with me is, like, because of you. But, like, I I can't live anymore. And I felt like it was an interesting choice to show that, like, detachment. And then the man narrates, like, her doing it that way was, like, her final gift to me to make it easier for me in some ways. Or that's how he's interpreting it. And I thought that was, like, really difficult to watch. But I thought her acting in it was really excellent. And, again, a movie I would never watch again, probably. I would not have watched for this. But I thought it was compelling storytelling, and also, like, I feel like a lot of post-apocalyptic things are more fantastical, and, uh, and I I just felt more sort of, like, it wasn't concerned with, like, the grand scope of the world, it was just an individual story about these people.
0: So this movie came out one month before The Book of Eli, (laughs) which is also a post-apocalyptic, supremely desaturated, uh, slightly bleak Uh, Actually, very very bleak. bleak, uh, But also has Denzel Washington as uh, Afro Samurai in it. Yeah, uh, and it's a great movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a brilliant movie. But I just like the the juxtaposition that people would think that these two things are similar, and they are very, very not similar, (laughs) despite how close uh, together they came out. Um, But yeah,
1: because I kept thinking, like, the thing that I struggled with, like, over and over, was the like, why wouldn't anyone work together? To try to like sh- you know pool resources like the the man and the boy have to make these like very risky decisions which to me I kept being like you're not you're not being cautious enough like there's a when scene- they went
2: into that nice house I was Ugh. like you.
1: Come on. So, so I felt like there was a reason for, so basically the man and the boy see this nice house and they go in because they're constantly scavenging. And I was like, why wouldn't you surveil it for a day right. and see what happens? And I think there are all these indications that it's not a safe place that the boy is noticing. Like, there's a mountain of shoes. Like, where did this mountain of shoes come from? And there are other things. So you know that something sinister is going to happen. And this is basically, they find a, a storage thing underneath the floorboards of the kitchen, they knock it open and it's full of humans that are being eaten, uh, that are being one kept one alive.
2: Snow piercer style. Yeah.
1: And so and so then the cannibals come home and it's he's gonna he's like holding the gun to his son's head, like he's gonna kill him so that he doesn't have to live through this happening with their final bullet. And it's very tense. And I was just kinda like why wouldn't you have been more cautious Like you know that the world is terrible And if you had one other person with you uh, That that person could stay with the sun While you like went and did scouting Like it makes sense You could sleep in shifts Or like these variety of reasons Why it would make sense for like humans to work together uh, And it just kept bothering me That like that wasn't uh, presented in at all Because I'm also like People have lived in terrible conditions Like before modernity And they did come together
0: and work on things um, That I think that was my favorite scene though was them exploring the house and like as it got and uh, as it like got generally more and more clear that something terrible was going to be discovered or they were going to find something awful and then what they find is so unspeakably awful that uh, like I think that's the like I'd seen this movie before and I was still shocked at how horrific that was uh, and then uh, the whole tent scene of them afterwards like uh, in the like hiding in the bathroom about to kill his son. Uh, And then when they escape, like, I like that whole arc of that whole, like, that sequence is just so well done uh, and so tense.
1: I also think that there's, like, a really important thing between the father and son in that moment because the son keeps asking him, like, are you, are, we're good guys, right? Like, we're, we're good people. And that he is worrying that his father is losing that. And, uh, that there's a scene where the father like forces someone to give them all their things because he had stolen from them. And he's like leaving him abandoned naked. And like that man's going to die. And the son is really upset with him for doing that. And the father's like, you don't understand. Like I have to worry about us all the time. Like I'm the one who's always taking care of us. And the son saying like, no, I do that. And I feel like you see like going back that there are instances of the son, like looking out for him constantly. Uh, And like the son is the one who noticed that the house was going to be sinister. And the, I think it's sort of, the father believes that he can single, single-handedly, like, take on all this responsibility for another person, but that that is not actually a way to live, that you have to have other
3: people in your life. But one thing in that scene in the house where I didn't, I didn't like, like, I, I really just objected to the choice that the father had, was he when when he was um getting out of the the dungeon that was like okay. it was like under like a floor like floorboards in the kitchen yeah. um and like at the very beginning they had to like knock off a they had to like break the uh, the lock off of it right mm-hmm. yeah. as they're running out when they when they figure out that there are people being eaten uh, down there they he runs they both run out of of that room and instead of leaving the door open They right. close it and then he puts the He puts the a, a heavy table on yeah. it Like a table with like real thick legs or whatever yeah. And I was like I was like, Wait so is...
2: And then those the Being eaten people getting out is what saves them Yes Because it's like the distraction When they're about to find him and his son hiding Because they run mm-hmm. up the stairs horror movie style And they're about to find him but then the people from downstairs get out and then there's, like, a melee between them and their captors and that's how he and his son escape. I thought he yeah. did that because if they came into the house and saw
1: that it was open, they would know that something had gone wrong and so he was trying to do the, like, no changes here so that yeah, they wouldn't come in.
2: I think it wasn't thought through all yeah. the way. I, I don't know. I was so upset. So what I was going to say is that I don't remember if that scene happened before or after Charlie's like, deciding to leave. The scene that was the most devastating for me was when Charlize was negotiating with him about, like, just let me do it. Other families are doing it. It's yeah. like, that, I, it's something that, it, it just rang really true to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really hard to watch. And then this scene with the basement, whichever one of those happened second, I just was like, I can't watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I was like, I'm gonna finish it because I have to. But I'm like, I'm checking out. So, uh, like, I think that what I wanted to say is, like, I don't know, I don't feel any, like, I'm I'm crying right now. And, like, I don't know what I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to edit it out or not. But, like, I didn't need this movie to feel those things in a way that I think a lot of sad movies help you explore or process ideas. And I'm like, this didn't... This just exposed me to the worst feelings I ever have as opposed to making me deal with them in any way.
0: This
3: movie was sad. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was so sad. And it's basically a series of events that happen. It's one that's sadder than the next. And then... At some point in the movie, they find a a hidden bunker, and in that bunker, there's a lot of food, and it looks yeah. like there's like there's probably enough food to to live off of for those two like the the boy and the man yeah. could live off of for like a year yeah. but even I remember like the first time I saw this movie thinking like, "Oh, oh, there's a bunker, oh that's great, oh, they're just de- delaying the inevitable and, and right. like, then I was like, oh, and then they're gonna get oh like oh this is this isn't this isn't actually a good thing
1: i yeah, I was just thinking about how when they were in the bunker i couldn't enjoy them being in an idyllic place for that moment because i was like there's no exit there i was like there's only one entrance like there and that like having things that other people want just makes you in a vulnerable situation and so like i felt like that was one of the most tense sections of the movie for me. Like I almost couldn't watch it then because I was like, oh, something moderately good is happening. This is only happening so that something terrible will happen, which ended up not being the case. Like they heard something and then they ran away from it. I guess like in terms of what you were saying, Robin, I feel I feel that way about a lot of movies. But for this movie, and again, like, I would not volunteer to watch it again. And I thought it was well made and I thought it was a good story. And I I guess I guess it didn't feel to me like some post apocalyptic things that seem sort of like fantasy fulfillment in a way yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean it didn't like the it didn't feel like a slasher movie like when they show like people being cannibalized or that that's a reality for people it didn't feel like they went into gruesome like it was gruesome but in some ways i feel like i've seen more gruesome things in other movies in a way like it felt like it showed a restraint in that area that made it feel to me like the movie wasn't just about like Feel these terrible things, now fuck off. Like, I did feel like there was a sort of message of hope in there, even though it took a long time to get there.
2: I I, I was trying to think, I'm like, I loved Snowpiercer, and I loved Bad Max Fury Road, and there are other post-apocalyptic things mm. where the world is broken and horrible. And I think that maybe you're onto something with this, like, community factor. But Then additionally, like, Snowpiercer, one of the reasons I like that movie so much is because... As bizarre as it is, there's the world-building element to it.
1: That may also be Which is,
2: this is like, there is no world for us to build.
1: Right. Okay I did not see Snowpiercer But that may also be like I might be reading into it Because of just finishing the N.K. Jemisin right. books Because like one of the protagonist Lessons that she has to learn is like people always Turn on each other mm. um, In times of post apocalyptics And she's in a community that is like No no like these type of people that are different From us like we're not going to turn on them And she has to sort of learn to like be a part of that Community as like part of the arc Of the book and so maybe that like was Like Maybe that was influencing me to see that here. You can't, like, human beings are not designed, A, to live, really. I mean, what are up with our feet and walking? Like, the whole thing with the shoes, I was just like, oh, people, we can't even walk on this earth.
2: Yeah.
0: Robert Duvall's cardboard shoes were one of the Uh. saddest things I've ever seen.
2: So uh, that actually segues into the Who Should Keanu play. One thing I found odd about this movie, and I'll leave Charlize out of this because I think that she was well cast. The celebrity cameos didn't really work for me, right? There's like so right. few characters that it doesn't totally make sense to me to cast Robert Duvall. They encounter an old man and they break bread with him because he's too old to be a threat, and because and then the, the kid, son forces and it. the kid is like, "Let's do this," because he's carrying the fire. That's right, and then Guy Pierce being the. You know the dad who the kid latches onto at the end. Like, why cast recognizable actors in those roles? I did not recognize Robert Duvall, but I'm also bad at
1: that. Sure, I did. I immediately when Guy Pierce. I was like, "Is that who I think it is?" So that was a bit disturbing. Also, like
2: if you look at the posters, like their names are on the poster. So like maybe they thought that they were making this movie commercial in some way. Guys, this was never going to be commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I had a big... I said to Bob after we watched it, I was like, I had a huge problem. I was like, I might have to abstain from piano because I was like, I can't in... I can't put him into this movie In some ways Because I was like He's too angelic a face To be in the post-apocalyptic oh, he world get,
2: He can get pretty grubby
1: He can And but I, and I thought about it a lot But I And I'm gonna do I, I felt like he just Very much firmly belonged In the world Of the flashback Of Charlie's okay. world So I am gonna cast him As the person Sitting next to her At the concert When Viggo Mortensen Sticks his hand up her dress So Got I just it. want him To quietly
2: appreciate
1: Their sexual the love The neighbor
2: to Finger banging <laughs> Yeah
1: That's where he is so so you might only see his hand but I would recognize his hand there. I mean not on Charlie's leg but on his own leg just quietly enjoying his neighbors.
0: <laughs> so that's where I'm casting him. I think I would replace Guy Pierce. Yeah, cuz like he like his angelic face he's like convincingly wearily friendly and welcoming. Uh, I think he would do a good job. Like, and I, I would be more pleased to see Keanu show up at the end than I would be to see Guy Pearce.
3: So I'm gonna get in trouble for this.
0: Why? No, you won't.
3: But I, I want to see Keanu in Charlize's world. I thought the same thing. Oh, you do? Okay, because okay, well, in, so in drag or
1: no, as a man? No, a as a man. As a man.
3: Right. Um, yeah, they're they're everything the same. They just they cast um Keanu, and the reason is is because I don't think I've ever. If I would see Keanu in in a movie, I'd be like, oh, he's the one who's going to push through everything to survive. Mm. <laughs> and I like the idea of seeing him as an actor doing, like, you know, having OCR, that, that, that scene. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think Charlize was weak. Okay, I don't no think way. that's not the yeah, right.
2: no, you're right. But,
3: but I, I think that it was like, I, I want to see, like, I don't think I've mm. literally ever seen Keanu, who I, I love, I love, uh, I can't think of anything I've, he's done that I haven't like, knock, knock that's a bad. That's a movie. bad movie. That's we'll a bad get movie. we'll get to that in the next podcast. Um but uh where he's a character who's just like, "No, I'm going to I'm going to choose to uh do what's best for me and I think everyone else should you know, what's best for me is to kill myself." Well, and like I just I kind of want to see. Uh was so amazing.
1: It is amazing, but also that he is, is a
3: suicidal character in that. Yeah. That's true. But he's also such a badass. And it's true. Shirley also in this is, one. Yeah. yeah in this one. Not a badass, just just a, a mom who doesn't want to do it anymore. Not mother doesn't want to do life anymore. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I want to see Keanu in that role.
1: That's a good. I think that's a good casting.
3: Okay. I just because it's Thoronathan. I just did
2: it. Oh, we've done it before. Okay.
1: I thought you have listened to Wrong. One one. No. <laughs> no. Uh. Tracy
2: McNeil taking the lead.
1: <laughs> oh no. Um oh so uh I'm sorry, this is like a dumb thing, but uh one of the reasons that I liked this movie, and this is very stupid, but what you were saying before about like post-apocalyptic things, like I love Mad Max, I loved that dumb book series. It's not a dumb book series, it's a great book series. I love like the Hunger Games, all that stuff. No one ever gets a head cold In the apocalypse Like no one has ever Like I get sick all the time I'm like I can't go to work I have a fever I'm sneezing my brain's out And in the beginning of the show, I was like ugh No one is sick Everyone would be so sick In this world But then at some point They do just
2: show the kid Just like having a stomach flu so And a fever Colin's an immunologist And I actually said I'm like wait How did he get sick If you're not If you're alone in the world How would you get a virus
1: But I feel like Not necessarily like a virus But I feel like So they're eating food Well Colin
2: uh, explained it also Okay
3: Well, yeah, so, I mean, you can get... You don't need people to get sick. I mean, even though, like, people make each other sick because they're, like, passing different pathogens. So, like, there's also... You have all this normal flora, so, like, bacteria in your gut and stuff. And so when your body is put into, like, a lot of stress, you know, certain bacteria that normally is... Not growing very much can grow more and that can make you more sick. What, Regina, what you were saying about um, eating, you know, spoiled food. In addition to that, there are some viruses and um, and bacteria and stuff that can live, just kind of hang out for a really long time.
1: Also, they're poop.
2: Like, it's and, not like they're cleaning their butts that regularly. Yeah, like yeah. And have, so they're
3: just, they're the, incredibly dirty. He brushes
2: his teeth. Aww. and it's like the first time he's ever brushed his teeth and he uses like half a tube
3: of toothpaste that was amazing actually I want to I, I want to add on to that there's two things that I really liked about this because I really like apost- post-apocalyptic movies and stuff generally but one thing that movies and TV shows do regularly and walking dead is another one is one that does it people's teeth are perfect and people always have pristine haircuts and i'm like no let their hair grow out like i get it that sometimes that someone's gonna have a scissor like i like when there's a scene like in this movie there's a scene where they're gonna they're they're, um where they're 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 feeling safe and they, they groom themselves but i like that every single actor in this had horrible teeth um, I mean they were dirty they were probably mm-hmm. straight but and also they had them still their, in their their mouth. hair and they, they they were disheveled and stuff and I was like oh this is really great and this is nice because this is probably what it would look like
1: I also thought the dirt makeup like it was actually like in the creases of their mm-hmm. face in a way that I, it didn't just look like they like splattered some dirt on them like yeah. but I just I appreciated that they showed them getting sick and that that like had an impact on them because I get sick and I live in the
2: lap of modern luxury so yeah. um I didn't use my Keanu Oh, sorry. Um, my Keanu is for him to replace Michael K. Williams' character, the Who's guy, that? the black guy who they Omar. leave naked. And it's because he's the only black character in the movie with lines. And I'm not saying get rid of the only black guy, obviously. But this movie does not have time to deal with characters' racism. Mm-hmm. And it struck me. It was jarring for me that I know Robert Duvall's 90 years old and they make a big deal about how he's not a threat because he's 90. but it was like okay. In this scene, we break bread with this white man. In this next scene, we leave this black man to die, mm-hmm. and it just it made me uncomfortable. I don't think that the movie handled it. I I don't. I honestly don't think that they really thought about it. I don't mm-hmm. know if it if the character was black in the book or not, but it just didn't work for me. So I would. Have preferred Keanu to take that role I think that's
1: fair like I was excited to see Him just because I like that yeah, actor so too. much And he um, was great in the role He was but it also like it broke My like that scene The scene before it was really difficult Because you see the father go off To like scavenge supplies From a ship and he leaves his son with the gun And he's like you know Keep watching. The son falls asleep and you just see someone's feet and a knife like coming towards the sun. And you assume, I assumed that this was going to be like the son died. Like I thought that uh, he was going to come back from the ship and like it was just going to be like a quick thing. It was like there was nothing you could do and the son was murdered. But instead, they that person stole all of their stuff and left the boy alive. And uh, so seeing him, like the father, react to that in such an extreme way. Like, I thought that was an important scene in the movie about the father's like journey towards... Yeah. Uh, survival above life and above humanity, but it was. I agree with you, it was very difficult for that to be the only non white character the entire time, and like not only, uh, yeah, and just like literally left
2: standing naked to die. They could have made other characters not white, also would yeah. have been a nice solution to that problem, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just you know playing the rules of our game, that's where I want to put and then Prison Riot. Colin and I did talk about how interesting it would be to see what happened inside of a prison when the world breaks. Oh yeah, but
3: but it would—I think it would just be horrible. It would
2: be incredible. horrible. Be, like everyone
3: would starve in their own cell. Right. Like, it would just because we were like, oh, all right. And then it would be like, oh no, it would it would be. Horrible to
0: watch. Because the power would go out and the cell would still be locked. Yeah. And no one would get out. I
1: don't know if it counts, but I feel like the
0: the people in the basement breaking out to some
1: extent is a prison riot. Yeah, like, I we guess don't see so. it, yeah. but I it's think true. it's in yeah. there. Another thing that I thought was like, Really upsetting after that scene. Like I thought, even more upsetting than seeing the people down there was afterwards when they're hiding in the field and they don't want to move so that they're not spotted. That you hear the people inside killing someone. Like, yeah, you hear like the sound of an axe and a scream. Yeah, and it's very, I don't
0: know, very visceral.
1: At some point, uh, we had the subtitles on because I found it difficult to hear what they were saying. Yes, and when the man finds the piano and like breaks down, it just said grunts, wailing. <laughs>
2: Sobbing and I was like
1: yeah That's what this movie is like I feel Like it didn't need in someone's like any Words that's just the heart Of what this movie actually is and then My other my last note that I have is So I feel like often the kid is not The kid is more of An idea than a real person like I feel like The man is more like what you would expect and the kid Is just like wholesome and good the entire time And not really like what a 10 year old kid would be Like like, bratty a little bit Yeah but, and I think the one time where they did it that, like, really sold it for me is when they're in the bunker, the father goes through his son's pants, because he'd clean them, he lays out his objects, and the kid wakes him up and is like, hey,
2: don't touch my stuff. <laughs> and I was like,
1: yeah, that would 100, and especially when you have no things, like, the amount of attachment that you would have to them, and, like, the desire for privacy when you don't have any. I thought that was, like, a nice little, yeah, nice.
0: Yeah, I also, I thought Vigo Mortensen was fantastic as well. I think he was very, I mean, apart from looking the part perfectly, yeah, like he, <laughs> it just is the most gnarled talk about a man of the
2: woods, right? He's yeah. very
0: gaunt and scruffy looking, and a pair uh, of buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was,
2: a, that was a nice little moment when he goes into the ocean. and We get it twice. Oh, you're right, they're also in the waterfall, in the waterfall. Yeah. four
0: cheeks. But yeah, so he, I thought he was great, and I also thought he did a good job. Of, aside from just being relentlessly, extremely cautious and uh, miserable all the time, he did a really good job of like. Flashing his humanity like when he's reading his son a story, yeah. or like they'll make a joke, or like they're drinking the coke and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, and it's you know, it, he is he's very good at like breaking a smile.
2: Can I make a recommendation for our listeners and for y'all, which is the movie Captain Fantastic, oh, for yeah. which Viggo Mortensen was nominated for Best mm. Actor last year? It also features him as a survivalist man of the woods, also <laughs> features suicidality. And uh, training your children to be survivalist men of the woods and women of the woods. And it is not the most depressing experience you'll ever have <laughs> in your life. Although it does have a really brutal scene about suicide also.
3: Oh, oh nice. So, I was just, so, Something that I really liked was like the kid actor. I thought oh, he, oh, he was great. great. Oh, he great. was so good. And I thought that, I thought he played, like, I thought he acted like like a kid. Yeah, like, I, like yes. I feel like a kid that is capable of surviving this long. I mean, he grew up in the post-apocalyptic world. So like, I think you breed a different type of kid. But I, but I really liked that. Like after he had that, this, after he had the Coca-Cola, like they're, they're walking out of a mall and where they like found Mm. the Coca-Cola and he like, and the kid like drop kicks it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the dad is like, come on. He's like, I'm coming, you know? And then, and then also I I really like what you were mentioning too about like, like don't touch my stuff scene where I was like, oh, that's good. And like, but like the kid didn't, The kid still didn't, like, attack his dad like a normal 10-year-old would, probably because of the post-apocalyptic stuff. But I also liked how when they went to the dad's um, uh, childhood home, Mm -hmm. and the kid, like, was like, well, we probably shouldn't be here, dad, because, like, the dad was getting sentimental and was getting sad. And so, and then it was clear that the dad wanted to soak it in and i thought yeah and so like and one thing that the actual the dad does is he flips over um a couch seat and so it goes from like being like real covered in dust to like lo- looking nice and so it's kind of like oh and this the dad is reminiscing about this but the kid's like i don't want any part of this he goes outside and the kid is uh swinging on a, a bench porch swing, a porch swing yeah and he has like toys he has like a few action figures and he's and he's coloring in crayons and i was like oh cool i'm glad they showed that because it's kind of like i was like oh this kid has no toys this kid the kid's main function is to survive but he also has these really small moments of like oh i'm still a 10 year old
0: kid yeah yeah I also liked it when he was coloring in, he was just using all the colors yeah. at once and it was yeah. becoming like a bit of yeah. a big brown smudge. And I was like, oh, that's what his world is like. Yeah, He's drawing a very accurate representation of what he sees. Yeah.
1: I also thought the Coke scene was really important. And I like, agree with you 100%. Like he does act like a kid, but I feel like they demonstrate that having a father who does so much to take care of you constantly in a world where if without him, you know, you would not survive has also like modeled for him that type of behavior so like when his dad gives him the coke he takes a sip he's also like no dad like you all i want you to have some that's like no no like this is a treat for you and he's like i won't have it unless you're also having it and i like i was really struck by the line when he's in the house he's like i don't think we should be here like i don't think we should be doing this and like that's him also looking out for his father in ways that his father
2: doesn't necessarily recognize yet so let's talk about the big brown smudge that is Western Pennsylvania. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> well, well, one of them definitely shot in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because that's the, the cube, the Flash Cube building. Yeah, it. the casing company building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, which I yelped at because the first time I saw this, I didn't know anything about Pittsburgh. And now I have a, that exact same photograph, but taken myself <laughs> on Instagram. <It's> very scenic. <laughs> uh,
2: oh, that's cool. Yeah, and um, the abandoned turnpike tunnels. Mm-hmm. is what they Oh, uh, well, that's what it was. And I forgot that those existed, and so I was like, what is this? I'm like, is this the Wabash Tunnel? Because I knew that this was filmed in Western Pennsylvania, but then I went and looked online specifically where it was, and yeah, so they went to the abandoned turnpike down in Breeze. Aww. <laughs> I love weird America.
3: <laughs> I think my... I have an objection to this movie, though. Um, and it's how accurate uh, the man was with the pistol and the flare gun. He, oh yeah. in the it, so there's two scenes where he uses uh a where he uses a hand, hand pistol and I guess he uses a pistol and he also uses a flare gun and in both in in one case it is pretty early in the movie a man um a, a um uh roving gang, Ro, roving gang, gang member yeah. um of uh, terminator from Sarah Carter oh yeah, Dillahunt yeah. and and raising hope, right? The father, hey, he is he is a gem, and so I like seeing him as a bad guy. <laughs> um, but so he grabs the son and is like and, and has a knife to the son's throat, and the and the father shoots him in the head with one shot. And I was like, oh wow, he has incredible aim. And then there was another scene where um, the father gets shot in the leg with a bone arrow later in in the movie, and he shoots a flare into. A window, like a two-story window, and the the father's outside, and I'm like, wow, he has really good aim. <laughs> I don't think he
1: intended to kill someone with the flare. I thought that was just a
2: distract. Yeah, yeah, but just getting it in the house. Getting okay. getting
3: into it and stuff because right, yeah. I was like the whole time when that scene was happening, I was like, This is titty, We don't titty, know titty, anything, titty, titty, anything titty. about
2: his life. We don't know he could be a marksman. But I also thought that's they true. were living Literally. in the woods, like when the apocalypse
1: happened.
0: Maybe that's how they use up all their bullets, whether it's target practice. Because yeah. I thought they were killing no animals point. then when animals yeah. still existed. I
1: also thought, like, the beetle at the end was meant and like was meant to be sort of like that the earth was changing and perhaps getting to the point where there were going to be
0: Yeah, there life was still end. some life. Yeah. yeah, it's such a sad movie. Yeah. <laughs> is there like Ebert, I assume? There is. <laughs>
2: um, yes, this movie came out in 2009. Roger Ebert was still with us. Uh, so Ebert or mebert. Most black and white films have a more vibrant color palette than The Road. Mebert. Uh,
0: Ebert. Ebert.
2: It's a Mebert. <laughs> <And> ha <that's laughs> The only time I've won. <laughs> um, that is a Mebert. His review is weird because he says he's like, oops, I accidentally posted, like, my notes from Sundance or whatever festival he was at. Like, so here's my revised review. And there are factual errors in it. okay. And, like, oh. he says that the kid was born before the apocalypse. And, well, maybe this is not... Again, I sort of checked out. He says that, like, it shows their marriage as having problems before the apocalypse. And I thought all the flashbacks were, like, we're lovingly playing piano and finger-banging in church
1: or whatever. I think it's... I think the only problems you see is when the
2: apocalypse has presumably happened but right. not gotten
1: as... It gets progressively worse. Right.
2: And, and it, I... Anyway, I I was very much, he said something in his notes about like, it was like his note about like when I accidentally posted like the draft review, he was like, you know, when you're seeing nine movies a day, and I was like, I feel like this review is suffering from you have having seen nine movies that day. That's fair. Anyway, he liked it a lot, but it's an interesting review. He talks about apparently he's like a Cormac McCarthy super fan. And so he says like, look, this movie is great, but I just couldn't appreciate it because the book is so important to me. And... Like there's no It's like he's like I think that this book Might be unfilmable Or like you know To make it as good As the book And then he also says He's like But I recognize As a critic That most people Probably haven't read this Even though it was In Oprah's book club It's adorable (laughs) And I was like Oprah what It was interesting
1: Like I feel The way you were Talking about this movie And just being like What is the possible Value in it Yeah That's sort of How I feel about the book Which I have not read Yeah But from some of the Things that I've read Online about the movie And it's untranslated Ability Into film, they were like that. The book is more gruesome.
2: Yeah. Well, so one thing I think again, I sort of checked out. There's no baby on a spit. Correct. Work, right. That's the
1: thing that they mentioned. So
2: it would why take so not? Much
1: longer to read it. Than yeah. to watch it I'm like I don't I don't think you could ever convince me to read that
2: book I guess I'm just confused why the people who made this movie Were like oh the baby on a spit roast is too far
1: I think because I feel like they were trying to sidestep Some of the gruesomeness to focus on the relationship And if they included elements like that Or if they included like watching people get cut up To get eaten rather than just the Indications that that is happening That it would okay.
2: overwhelm the visual It may also story. Just
0: be a ratings issue as well Oh like you might not be able to show that kind of thing without bumping up whatever ratings you have here.
2: Look, I saw a movie where a baby got eaten this year and it was rated R, so... Yeah, I, I very much would have expected them to leave that in. That's like, also, like, the, that's how I first heard about The Road, is I remember reading on Slate, it was, like, an aside in another article about, like, watching things that are, or, like, exposing yourself to art like this, and somebody was like, yeah, I wish I had never read... That one part of the road Because it says, like, if you've read it, you know Gotcha. And I think I talked to your dad, Colin And I was like, what part of the road is really horrible? He's like, oh yeah, they roast a baby I think also <clears throat> it's the parents So, um, Charlene senefs I gave mine already I think
1: the the speech where she Is leaving
2: Yeah
0: uh, I think I'm going to pick a nice Charlie Zenith uh, because it's probably the only. Apart from, like, in the flashbacks where it's before the apocalypse, my Charlie Zenith is when she's washing Boy's hair because mm-hmm. uh, it's the only time that you see her and she's making an effort to be good, something to do with a normal life right. uh, after the apocalypse has happened.
2: Mine is when she's in labor and walking around screaming mm-hmm. because I. I guess people choose to do this in our modern age, but like the whole idea of having to have a baby outside of a hospital is just really, <laughs> really horrifying to me. Like, in, in a, even in the context of the world is over, it's for me, I'm like, oh God, and now she has to have a baby without any help. And the idea <laughs> of just walking around your house while you're in labor screaming was compelling to me. And I thought that she did a nice scream. See, I didn't like it because having been in a house with someone
1: giving birth, I was like, it's not like that. What is it like? It's not that gruesome. Okay.
3: <laughs> Good. At um, all. My Charlie Zenith was the same as Regina's when um, she was arguing, when she was leaving her uh, husband and she was being super cold mm-hmm. and... Yeah, it was that. It was that. Um, but my second Charlie Zenith, which I guess is not a thing, you can have but it. I'm it introducing you it, like... was when she was about to get finger banged at the symphony oh, yeah. or church wherever she was. Was it? I think symphony. She's wearing black velvet. Nobody yeah. wears that to church. Okay. And she just had it. She didn't say anything. She just had a look on her face where she's like, "Yeah." She's like, "You can." She's like, "You can get it."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we rank it?
2: So I I can't be rational about this movie like part of me was like i'm putting it at the bottom this was definitely the worst experience i've had so far is this the first time you've seen it yeah okay. i would never watch this movie otherwise otherwise Same. like i would lose the oscars death this wasn't nominated for anything but if it had been nominated and it was the only thing keeping me from winning the oscars death race i would continue to lose it but i'm not putting it last because i recognize that it is well made but like that being said like I would rather watch The Last Face every day of my life than have to watch this once a month for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'm going to put it um, just below Huntsman Winner's War and just above The Burning Plane. The Burning Plane is an example of a movie that I also kind of, am like, I don't know what the value is in this. Mm-hmm. That, that but I agree with. <laughs> this is a much better made movie than The Burning Plane. Yeah. So that's where I'm putting it. I, yeah,
1: I, I struggle with with this, because I think it is a Well-made movie I think it has a lot of Narrative I don't know, I just, I just think it's a well-made movie that I did not in, Enjoy watching, because it was so bleak And afterwards I was very sad I also weirdly was like, we have to go for a walk I don't know, I just watch people walk for two hours We gotta get out of the house But I also, Charlize is barely in it Which is why we did it after Astro Boy I think, right. Because this was yes. the, the least amount of Charlie's. So... I am going, I just, I think on the merit of it being a good movie, it's going to bump up my list. So I'm going to put it between The Burning Plane and Trial and Error.
2: Above Burning Plane?
1: Below The Burning Plane. Okay. She's in that more. Okay. So, and also because I'm, I weirdly liked that movie more than you guys. Okay. I think you're disliking (laughs) it pushed it up my rankings for some reason. Yes. Sometimes that happens. Yes. So it's kind kind of right in the middle. Uh, I would say if you have not seen this movie and uh, you don't have a Charlize Theron podcast, I don't see why you would have to watch it just because it's well done.
3: If you do have a Charlize uh, Theron uh, podcast, then you guys should have a Charlize off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if (laughs) you have
2: a Charlize Theron podcast, why don't you leave a comment so we could like, I don't know, maybe have a crossover episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tweet at us or something. Um, uh, I'm ranking this higher than everyone because I am putting this at, it's just below Kubo and above, and above Atomic Blonde. I think it's a, better movie than Dark Blood. I think it has a more coherent story. It doesn't have as satisfying a conclusion, but I think it is generally a more thought-through and interesting premise. And I I like its uh, what it does. I like that it exposes the terror and awfulness of what a real apocalypse would be like, and that there is still value in being alive even though the world has... Gone down the toilet Because that's how I think I would be In that kind of thing Like I really like The movie The Martian For the exact same reason like he's in a Completely hopeless situation Or like the book The Martian Better than the movie uh, But I think that That is how I would react In mm. that situation. I would just keep going Until there was nothing To keep going and doing That being said I do think Kubo Is a more interesting And fantastical journey That is probably A better uh, way To spend your time Way better colours Way better uh, Colours at all <laughs> So uh, I very much like uh, a Kubo better than that and it also just has more characterization in it uh this is the characterization that is very subtle uh whereas Kubo is much larger than life and has dragons and big talking giants
1: so maybe we could cut this out, but I do want to say to you because this movie upset you in particular that uh after we watched the movie and my whole thing I was like I think that people wouldn't abandon each other I was like because I was I said to Bob I was like I would not survive the apocalypse like, I hope you understand that but I was also I was like. If something happened and we were in Pittsburgh, I was like, "There's just no universe in which we would not get together,
2: like with our friends and be with one another." Um, I think a lot about how I would be like, like the arcade people. We'd be like, "Well, our job will be to entertain you." Yes. Well, <laughs> I feed us so that we could do a, a herald <laughs> Well, the other thing I was no, thinking... we'll do short form. It's the apocalypse. It's the apocalypse. We want
1: to. <laughs> we want to keep the audience engaged. <laughs> I also, and again, we can 100% cut this out, but in terms of, like, whether or not this is realistic post-apocalyptic, as someone, I'm just, like, theater's been around for a long time, and people have had art, like, all through humanity, and the complete absence of any moments of levity or humor, I'm just, like, I know that shit is very bleak, but I don't believe that that would stop existing. Yeah. And I'm not
2: saying that, like, people will be telling hilarious yarns around the the fire. That's something I wouldn't mind watching, is a post-apocalyptic comedy.
0: So I, I, I tweeted about this a while ago, and I was like, because there was, there's like, a slew of positive uh, apocalyptic stories coming out. Oh. Um, I can't remember the name of any of them at the top of me, but, like, I was like, if I wrote one, it would be called, We Never Go Hungry Now, The Chickens Have Eight Legs. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: was anyone really surprised that this was only 2009? It felt like a 2002 movie to me
0: for some reason. Like, it felt I actually, like very old.
2: I thought it was more recent than that.
0: Do you know when it's set? No. Next year. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> How do you know? In the book? Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: In the book, do they explain anything that... No, Why there's just... nothing. There, a part of the appeal of the book is that there's just no explanation. It's just like... Uh, I, and I really like like anything with no expository dialogue or, or explanation I really like. Um, so the, the book just has, like, I think they mentioned there was um, a light and some small tremors. And then everything is gone, and that's it. That's all. That's all the explanation you get. Mm. If you like other movies with no expository dialogue, I recommend the movies of Shane Carruth, uh, who does Primer, which is a really complicated, really really complicated time travel movie with no expository dialogue, and also Upstream Color, which is a sort of psychological thriller sci-fi. Also has no Sponsory dialogue And they're both Great
1: Well Listeners Please tell Your loved ones That you love them Yeah Thank you for listening Thank you to Alex Reed Who wrote an amazing Theme song for us
0: Thank you to you guys Thank you Colin
1: For
2: being here And most of all
3: (laughs)
1: Thank Thank
2: you
3: Charlie's. And now you heard
2: About fourth
3: chair Mavis, the cat. Uh, Mavis is great. She is super adorable. She's cute and she's so little and her face is scrunchy and she has a little black tread on the bottom of her paws and stuff, and it's super cute. you put her on your lap when you
2: give them yeah, not,
3: hey, oh, get more. Yeah, I mean I let's get him
2: cool. on Mike being calling. We need some <laughs> oh. levity for the episode, sweet love. Mm. Hey little baby. Yeah. It's just a little bitty It is just a little poison in this, It's
3: just a little bitty And she would be so delicious if... (laughs)